first of all, Jesus is our healer. Spirit, soul, and body. Our soul is made up of our mind, our will, and our emotions. And there is a large degree of the Word of God that as we teach that, as we pass that down, that is very important, that teaches us how to cope when we come along life situations where we need restoration in our mind because we're facing this, we're facing this setback, which causes a depression, which causes this, which causes that. But I want to read this scripture that's going to get us on track. And then we're going to talk about some very real things that we may face in our mind and how we can begin that healing process. But De Deuteronomy 6.1 says this, These are the commands, decrees, and regulations that the Lord your God has commanded me to teach you. You must obey them in the land you are about to enter and occupy. And you and your children and grandchildren must fear the Lord your God as long as you live. If you obey, obey all... If you obey all his decrees and commands, you will enjoy a long life. Listen closely, Israel, and be careful to obey. Then all will go well with you, and you will have many children in the land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. Listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. I want to kind of key in on that here just a moment because Jesus, when he begins to talk, he's going to change a word in there or maybe clarify a word in there. But he says, honor the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul and all your strength. Verse six, and you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands I am giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you are at home and when you are on the road, when you are going to bed and when you are getting up. I think one of the things that oh, I, I do believe this, what as a nation we have gotten away from is teaching the commands of God to our children and to our, our grandchildren. So let me say this, parents, thank you for having your kids part of what's happening. I mean, having, having them in church, having them in youth group, um, the different functions that happen. Uh, it is so important, but even more important than having them here at church, which is highly important, is what you do at home teaching your kids how to cope, how to deal with life whenever it comes at you. And I think what we are seeing and have been seeing for quite, a, this is not just a now generation thing. This has been going on for a while. For the longest time, we were taught to suppress your, suppress your emotions, because if you have an emotional thing, then there's something wrong with you. Well, you know what? Guess what? There is something wrong with you. We need to find the healer so that he can heal us. But we're saying suppress, suppress, suppress. And that's, you know, that's not even... Why did Jesus even come? He said, I have come to heal the brokenhearted, to set it free, those who are captives. You know, and that includes every part of you. Over the past few weeks, we have talked about spiritual healing. Last week, we talked about when we are broken and how we can be re-winded, have our second wind in this whole type of thing. And um, as we're looking today at our mind, we understand that we have a soul, which I said earlier is made up of our mind, our will, and our emotions Today, I want to talk about our mind. I want to talk about this thing up here because it is a battleground. How many of you have ever heard the phrase mind over matter? You know, you got you to gotta get your mind over matter. Can I just say, I don't think that's enough just to have a mind over matter. You know, this is the situation. This is the map. This is what's the matter. <laughs> And we try to get our mind over that situation, but oftentimes it is going to take, I would say every time, it is going to take the Word of God. And then there are also those times where we may even need uh, professional help. For so long that has been such a, ooh, what's wrong with them type of thing. When I say professional help, I do want to qualify that. 
men and women of God who understand his word and can take these principles and apply it to the word of God so that we can have health because we're going to see in just a few moments that Jesus says to love the Lord our God with all of our mind. And our mind needs to be a place of health and wholeness uh, so that we can not be hindered in doing what God has called us to do, right? Because the mind is the seat of our thoughts or ideas that shape our perspective on life. And when we have a bad perspective on life, then that tells us that there's something that needs healing in there. When you have a symptom in your body that you think this is not normal, I need to go see the doctor. Same thing with your mind. Same thing with your thought process. Again, we want to see this, though, in the light of Scripture. We want to see this in the light of the healer and what he has to say about that because he does want us to be healthy. I want to bring up a couple things here. There was a study that came out by a place called The Ranch, and it's a Christian-based recovery center, all right? And they do a lot of business. Um, let me say this, too. I didn't finish a thought earlier. When I talked about how Jesus came, he said, the Spirit of the Lord, of the, the Spirit of the Lord God has come upon me. He's, a, he's anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He's, you know, to, to mend the brokenhearted, to set it free those who are captives. You know, he was talking to the people of Israel here. These were God's people. Same thing today in our churches. Jesus came for that very reason so that we could experience wholeness. Well, there's signs of unhealthy thinking in the ranch, this Christian-based recovery center that ministers not just to believers, to unbelievers and bringing them to Christ in the process. They listed 10 signs of unhealthy thinking. And we're going to go over those 10 signs real quick, and then we're going to find a remedy to it. But here's what I want to do. Uh, as I've mentioned over the last few weeks, the, uh, today is our final eighth week that the staff has been going through emotionally healthy spirituality. And we've been learning a lot, and we're going to be bringing this to the church. So it's a discipleship tool that we use, and it does do a lot with every aspect of our body. But one of the things that we agreed upon in this class is that when we touch on something that's like, ooh, I'm telling you what, man, Miss Vicky could really learn this. She, Melody needs to know what this says right here. That's the truth. Kevin, oh my goodness, he could really benefit from this. We work hard to not do this. Doug, oh my God, he's trying to teach this class and he struggles with this. We have, I may or may not have said that, Doug. What Doug has taught us in all, which by the way, Doug, if you did not know this, has a degree in psychology, counseling, counseling and counseling. So um, he, he does all of that. But he has told us, he said, when we're reading through this, you have to understand this book is for Matt. No, he said, this book is for you. So if you start pointing fingers and saying, oh, my wife really needs to hear this, then you're doing it wrong. OK, so when I go through this list here, which is not part of this book, by the way, but I don't want you elbowing your spouse. I don't want you elbowing the person sitting beside of you or your children. All right. Ten signs of unhealthy thinking. They were specifically looking at those who suffer with depression or maybe on that road. These unhealthy thinking patterns chip away at an individual's self-image by saying, I'm not good enough, nothing ever goes my way. It said this right here, these negative thoughts and feelings may prompt a need to escape or self-medicate with drugs, alcohol, food, sex, other risky behaviors that are in there. So again, examine yourself on this because what we're trying to see today is how Jesus can bring healing to these specific areas, okay? So again, no elbowing. 
One of the first signs of unhealthy thinking pattern that could be leading you down a road that you need healing from is an all or nothing thinking. This is a black or white type of thinking that always goes to the extremes. In other words, if I make a misstep, then I am a complete failure. You ever said that about yourself before? I just messed this up. Man, what? I just I don't even know why I keep doing this. I just I'm just a complete failure in all this area. That's what that's talking about. I always make bad choices. Here I go again. Now, is that true? No, it's not always true. But it's a sign of unhealthy thinking. It's an all or nothing. You know what? Jesus came to free you from that. He did. The second one is an overgeneralization. Nothing ever goes right. Ever. It causes you to lose your motivation. Now, is it true that nothing ever goes right? You may have a season of time that sure seems that way. Right? But that's just an unhealthy thinking that Jesus wants to bring healing to that we face in our minds. A mental filter. Check this one out. Everything goes right except one little thing. <clears throat> and rather than focusing on the positive, you dwell on the one negative. You could have had 99 things go right that day. One thing goes wrong. And that's the one thing that dominates your mind. You know what that is? Unhealthy. Do you know who wants to bring healing to that? Jesus. But these are things that can bring us back into a state of, God, how could you even use me type of thing. What I'm getting at today is the mind is a battlefield. What I'm getting at is when the mind, when the battlefield of the mind begins to get lost, it handicaps us from being able to do what God has called us to do. Because just when I'm sick, I can't, if I have laryngitis, I can't be up here preaching. If my mindset is wrong, I can't be ministering. Why is that? Because my mindset is not right. And I feel like I can't offer you anything. It's not that I can't. I just feel that way. So a mental filter. Everything is right except for one little thing. Rather than focusing on the positive, you dwell on the negative. Now, let me say this. For all of us type A people, I say all of us, I'm probably borderline type A, which everything has to be just right. I'm, I'm borderline there. Um, it's okay to want to correct the negative, right? When Matt was working on his engines at the race shop and one little thing goes on, he thinks, oh, you know what? Today was a good day. I know this spring broke, but no big deal. No, he wants to correct that one thing. That's got to happen. But it's when it's that thing that dominates, and that does dominate, dominate racing, doesn't it? Because it's bad. <laughs> Matt's like, this is my job here. So I'm not saying we don't try to correct that one thing. We need to, right? But when it dominates and you can't even see the good that has happened, that's what we're talking about, that mental filter. Fourthly, disqualifying the positive. This turns positive things into a negative, right? Lisa said, David, I really like your shirt today. And I'm like, great, what does she want? She just thought my shirt looked great, you know? So I turned it a positive into a negative. Oh, you know what? I just think that message was good. Oh, great. They're going to come here tomorrow. They're going to want something from me. I just know it type of thing. That's a bad way of thinking, isn't it? It is. And what that does, it does not allow us to see people the way God sees people because we always think people want something in that sense. But anyway, disqualifying the positive. We tend to do that to ourselves. Number five. Please no elbows. Jumping to conclusions. <laughs> we need hope. No, I'm just kidding. Hope was the one who laughed. 
Even in the absence of facts, this thinking has a negative interpretation. Listen, even in the absence of facts, this thinking has negative interpretation. Well, something's going to go wrong. They don't like me, even if there's no evidence. Those people, they just don't like me. Every time I walk into a room, they just get really quiet. I know they're talking about me. That type of thing, you know. That's just, that's that type of thinking. Jumping to conclusions. Number six, magnification and minimization. This is exaggerating personal shortcomings or problems. Anybody, you don't have to raise your hand. Anybody ever do that? You um, exaggerate your personal shortcomings or your personal problems, or you magnify what is bad and you minimize what is good. Those type of things happen. Number seven, emotional reasoning. <coughs> Key word, emotional. Emotional reasoning. Feelings are treated as facts. Now, we hear this a lot in our society today that facts don't care about your feelings. One political party will say that. The other political party will say, well, feelings are everything, all these type of things. But emotional reasoning says, uh, says this, that feelings are treated as facts. Your feeling of guilt makes you a horrible person. I just feel bad for what I did, so I am a horrible person. Are you a horrible person? Not necessarily. You may have made a mistake. You may have even sinned, but that doesn't make you a horrible person. But immediately our mind goes there. So it's that emotional reasoning. Instead of saying, I am forgiven. Lord, I thank you for the forgiveness that you have offered me. But we go to that. Number eight, should statements. It causes you to have unrealistic expectations of yourself and others. I'll add that to that. Because it says next, demands a lot from others and gets upset when they fall short. They should be doing this. They should behave that way. You know, how many of you in your line of work, you have people who come up to you and tell you how you should be doing your job? You know, if I'm over there and... Uh, <laughs> thank you for being honest, Kevin. They, you know, if I were to take my Suburban over there and Mr. Stowe and Jerry were working on it and I told them how to work on it, who's the professional? They are. Well, I think you should do this. I think you should do that. You know, you should have done this. People come to the pastor. This is how you should pastor. Okay. You know, it happens all the time. People tell us what we should and should not do. And I'm talking not healthy, right? There's healthy correction that can happen, but should statements. It causes you to have an unrealistic expectation of yourself, and it demands a lot from others and gets upset when they fall short. Number nine, labeling and mislabeling. Making a mistake earns you the title of loser or failure in your own mind. It does. You know, you have people do that. They, you're a loser. No. But it's in your own mind. Making a mistake earns you that title, loser or failure in your own mind. And you brand other people as bad. We're talking about our mind. It's a battleground. It's a battlefield. And we want it to be healthy so that we can, one, receive all that God has for us, but two, minister freely what God has given to flow through us. Number 10, personalization. Something becomes your fault even though it isn't in your control. So, you know, it wasn't in my control, but I still blame myself. If I would have just done this, we see a lot of this happening with kids and how maybe their parents relate or, uh, um, you know, when spouses are having a little argument and they take on the personalization. Well, if I would have just done this, if I would have just done that, which can be unhealthy. We are seeing that there's ways that we can bring self-correction that's not healthy. I'm talking about when it's out of control type of thinking and we're not allowing, allowing the word of God to renew our mind and to help shape us. 
All these things point to an unhealthy mind that God wants to deliver us from today. Again, we're not looking at our neighbor. What is God saying to us? Jesus came to heal the whole person. He came to heal us from depression. Yes, there's such a thing as clinical depression. I get, you know, that's, that's there. And, and we just talked at the beginning of service how we can work through that. But we can also think ourselves into this state. Jesus came to heal our thoughts and our mind. I want to show you a story. We had a Christian come in this morning. Uh, he's in here this service, but next service he's going to be with the kids. So we couldn't have him in here live both services. So we just recorded this this morning. Here's his testimony of how God is bringing him healing. Hey, everybody. I'm Christian Dockery. As you guys know, I've been serving and attending Abundant Life for the last 13, almost 14 years with my mother and stepfather, Kevin and Lisa Barnett. As very few of you guys know, um, I've st always struggled with the idea of self low self-esteem and with trying to be a people pleaser. I've been trying, I would try to work for approval and as they say, you can't please everybody. Um, and as very few of you guys know, I in the last year and a half have been diagnosed with depression to the point of where I've been talking with psychiatrists, I've been reaching out for help, and that I've been also taking medication. Um, but thankfully our God is not just a God of getting us through things, He's a God of completion, He's a God of resolution. And He's been walking me through this process of healing and walking me through this process of, of opening up old wounds so that they can then be healed again. Uh, one of these wounds is uh, with my biological father, who hasn't been a very good person, um, hasn't been a very good father, uh, but God has shown me that this is an area that I have not walked past fully, that I've not grown in where I need to, to the point of he's shown me that I, str I struggle with accepting God's forgiveness of myself, but also from others, to the point of God had paid every debt, not just for the sake of the person who owes the debt, but for the person and the people who the debt is owed to. So not only does he forgive my sins and forgive things I've done wrong, but he forgives the fact that my father wasn't there for me when he should have been. That my earthly father has been such a absent person to the point of not only has he given me such a great new amazing stepfather who's taken above and beyond the role, but that God himself has positioned himself as a father to me. And that the debts that have been owed to me is something I need to grab onto so that I can then release the debts that God is forgiving me of. So that when I fail, God can be the one who truly picks up the, the spot at that point. That God can truly see the completion in it. And I'm not just working on my own power. Amen. You know, years ago, and depending on the circle that you're around, so many people would have condemned him. Well, why don't you just hand it over to Jesus? You know what? He has. 
but there's still things that need to be worked through, right? Jesus came to heal the whole person. You know, we don't think it, okay, well, so, sister so-and-so, she's had this health issue for years and years and years and years, but we know that God's going to heal her one day. We truly believe that. We'll give that a pass, but if it's a mental thing, we don't. Why is that? Jesus came to heal the whole person, and Jesus is working in Christian's life. We had to do uh, two takes on this because the phone that we were using to record shut off. But, you know, even in the middle of that, or in the first recording, Christian left it out of this one, but he was talking about how God even brought Kevin into the picture to help with that, you know, as, as a stepdad and, and helping him through that process. God will use all kinds of things to help. So this is something that thought was dealt with, right, Christian, just in your own words. And then one day it just kind of came up again and realized, I haven't healed from this. Jesus came to heal the whole person and he is working. We read Deuteronomy chapter six at the beginning. This is known, verses four through nine is known as the Shema, which means to hear, to hear. So uh, that's how the Hebrews looked at this. The Jews were to speak this daily. And this is what it says. Listen, O Israel. I'm going to read it again. Verse 4. The Lord our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I am giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you are at home, when you are on the road, when you are going to bed, and when you are getting up. See, Israel was to repeat this because they were entering into the land where the people would celebrate many gods. We live in a society of that, don't we? Many people uh, will celebrate this God, that God. We don't call them gods, but things that take the place of God that we, we seek after. So anyway, Israel was to repeat that because they were about to enter into the land where every, you know, the, 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 the inhabitants there would worship this God, that God. So there would be this infiltration of you should serve this God. But the Lord in his sovereignty and in his knowledge, he said, I want you to repeat this every day. The Lord, he is God. He is the Lord God alone. It was a reminder. I want to quickly share four characteristics of a healthy mind or a mind that is seeking to be healed. First of all, a healthy mind loves God. It expresses love to God from the heart, from the soul, which is your mind, your will, and emotions, and from your strength. When Jesus was asked about the greatest commandment, he replied with the Shema from Hebrew, except listen to what he said. You must, this is in Matthew 22, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. See, Jesus understood that this is a battlefield. Jesus understood that the enemy would come at us, not only physically, not just especially spiritually, but also even within our mind. He was pointing uh, out the necessity of having a healthy understanding of who God is and that we are to love him. A healthy mind is quick to repent. If we love God, we'll, this is not number two. This is all under a healthy mind loving God. It's quick to repent. A healthy mind pursues God. A healthy mind is filled with uh, thoughts about God. A healthy mind is trusting and fearful of God. A healthy mind doesn't blame God when things are going bad. So it begins there. And as I look out, I see people who love God. You've got a great start. Even in Christian's testimony, he loves God. It's a great start. 
Four characteristics of a healthy mind that is seeking to be healed. Romans 12, 2 says, Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. You will then learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. See, there's always work to be done in the mind of man. You wake up in the morning, you begin to think of, okay, this is what I have to do today. This is what I have to do today. I've got to do that. I've got to do that. And what we're learning is there needs to be a moment of silence and solitude before the Lord. Lord, I love you. Thank you for your love and silence. Quietening that to concentrate on him. Don't be proud, selfish, stubborn, arrogant. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you. Love God. Secondly, a healthy mind meditates on the Word of God. Psalm 1-2 says, But they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. Isaiah says, You will keep him in perfect peace, or you will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. You know that idea of peace, is with, it, it's within our heart. I do believe that. But it's also even in our mind. And God says, as, you, as our mind is fixed on you, you will keep that, perfect, that person in perfect peace. So know the word, meditate on it so that you can apply it to your life. Because what it will do is it will begin to bring about a positive godly change and teach you who God is. Psalm, there's several scriptures here, but Psalm 63 says, I lay awake thinking of you, meditating through the night. See, King David, he wrote many, many Psalms about meditating upon God. The interesting thing is how many of those that you read that he wrote at night. You ever lay down in the evening and you begin, your mind just begins to race and you think, oh, I blew that today. I blew this today. Up here on the screen, you see several scriptures that are there that talk about David at night when he laid upon his bed. What would he do? He would begin to meditate upon scripture because what he understood was all these thoughts from the day would begin to come at him of what he had done wrong, bad choices that he had made, what the negative words that people had said. You ever hear negative words from people during the day? And instead what he would do is he would take those things to the Lord at night, he would meditate on his word. Your worrying can't do you anything but give you an unhealthy mind and body. He goes on, uh, Philippians, Paul says this in chapter four. He says, and now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, admirable. Think about the things that are excellent and praiseworthy. So it meditates on the word of God. Okay, I know a lot of people who love Jesus and they meditate on his word. There's other things that we have offered to us. A healthy mind is humble and seeks to serve God and others. Philippians chapter 2, this is verses 5 through 8. You'll see it up on the screen. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, here's what Jesus did. He gave up his divine privileges, took the position of uh, the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Often serving God is accomplished by serving his people and humbling yourself. Church is a great place to serve God's people. I want to say this to all of you. We need you. We need your gifts. We need your service. If you're not involved, find a way to get involved. 
Serving others will help you get your mind off of yourself, right? Okay, well, I've done all these things. Look at number four. A healthy mind fights for godliness. 2 Corinthians 10 says this. We are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. That whole list of 10 things that we just read can fall under that category as well, false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. Miss Vicky's going to come and begin to play, and I want us to take just a few moments to examine our thoughts this morning. Maybe it's that list of 10 that we mentioned. Maybe it's one of these things that you want to focus in on. Maybe there's just an understanding. You say, you know, I've got to get, I've got to get this healthy because it hasn't been healthy. I feel pretty good about my body. My family's good. Uh, my spirit, I think, is okay, but there's just a battleground that's going on. I want to encourage you this morning, refuse to let your thoughts run on their own. Get help if you need it. Read the word. Be around believers who can encourage you. And if necessary, find a believer who is able to even uh, uh, professionally help. Whatever things are noble, whatever things are pleasant. God wants to heal you today. The devil will come to plant fear doubt, hopelessness, rejection, defeat. And I want to encourage you today, do not give in. Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And the Bible encourages us to take those thoughts captive. So can we just stand for a moment uh, before we dismiss? And I want you to submit your thoughts to the Lord today. Those areas that maybe you, maybe you could check off numbers one through 10. These are things that you're facing and you, you don't necessarily, I mean, it's not necessarily a depression thing. It's not necessarily, you know, things have gotten really serious, but it potentially you could see where maybe you're even starting to lose a little bit because of these things. Maybe it's just one of those. Maybe it's nothing. Then pray for your neighbor. Pray for those you know who are struggling. But just submit your thoughts to the Lord this morning and ask him to bring healing and maybe even to say, you know what? Maybe I need to talk to somebody. Maybe I need to have someone pray with me. Maybe I need to be in my Bible more. I don't know any of these things, but God wants to bring healing to your mind. So just take a few moments to allow him to begin that process. us. And I want to encourage you, I'm not, Doug and Lisa, if you guys would be available to uh, just maybe to pray, take a few moments to pray. You need them to agree in prayer with you. Um, they'll be available for that. And don't forget, if you're a member, we're going to be having a, a brief membership meeting to ratify council nominees, like as soon as we dismiss here. Um, but we definitely want to give you a few moments to take time to pray if you need that. Amen.
Amen. Matt, Jim, will you pray for us? Father God, we um, thank you so very much for this message, Lord. Father God, the battlefield in our minds is real. May we recognize that, Lord. Father God, there's some really, really good resources out there um, of authors of, who have authored books on, on this very topic, Lord God. And above all, we know that all throughout Scripture, Lord God, you give us what we need. Lord, you're calling us to be healed. You're calling us to be used by you, Lord. Father, we just proclaim victory over any type of unhealth in our minds, our emotions, Lord. Father, Lord, we thank you for this service. May we just ponder this message today. Just live it out, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.